Hey, everybody, I've got something really exciting to tell you about before we get into this episode. We are going to have a chance to meet each other. I'm going to be at the Now Hear This podcast festival in Anaheim, California this October. Anaheim is really close to L.A. This festival is made especially for you guys, for podcast fans. There's going to be dozens of your favorite public radio and comedy and storytelling podcasts on stage all in one place. Mark Marin from WTF will be there. Plus, you'll see live performances of How Did This Get Made, The Moth, Criminal, The Gist, and Comedy Bang Bang. And of course, I'll be there. We're going to be doing a special live episode of Kids Ask Unanswerable Questions. Register for the festival right now at nowhearthisfest.com and check out special ticket options for reserved seating, VIP express lines, and special meet and greets with hosts like me. Now Hear This is October 28th through the 30th in Anaheim. Go to nowhearthisfest.com and I'll see you there. Eight and a half years ago, Marlo had a baby. Then, a few years in, her kid told her something. He looked me in the eyes and told me something had gone wrong in my tummy that made him come out as a boy instead of a girl. He wanted me to put him back. He begged me to put him back, to fix this mistake. He was three years old. What are your favorite things to play with? My princess things. Your princess things? Why do you like princesses so much? I just kind of do. Do you think it's okay for boys to like princesses? Uh, but I'm a girl. This is a clip from the podcast, How to Be a Girl. It's about a mom and her relationship with her transgender daughter. The show is hosted by this mom, Marlo Mack. That's actually not her real name. I don't even know her real name. She uses a pseudonym to protect her daughter's privacy. You know, I'm in the podcast kind of working out the questions that I have. What is a girl and how do you be one and how do you raise one? And then how do you raise one when they have a, they seem to have the body of a boy? <laughs> what do I want to pass on to her about how to, have a happy life as a girl and a woman. So Marlo's daughter is transgender, which means, you know, she doesn't identify as the gender that she was assigned at birth. And something that I love about how to be a girl is Marlo just completely acknowledges the complexity of this. You know, the complexity that that her child at three years old declared to her that she is not the gender that Marlo assumed she was based on her kid's body parts. I mean, Marlo embraces her daughter's identity 100%. But she also talks about how confused she feels at times. You know, all the questions that run through her head. And they're probably the questions you wonder about, too. Can such a young child really know that she's transgender? What if it's just a phase? What are the chances of that? And if it is a phase... What would be the telltale signs to look for? If she were to change her mind and decide to be a boy after all, will she be totally screwed up because I let her live as a girl for several years? 
In each episode, Marlo tries to find answers to her questions. There's this one episode where she wonders if she's making the right decision, switching her daughter from private school to public school. I knew that moving to a different school would be a challenge, but it ended up being even harder and more complicated than I had expected. Then there's an episode where she heads to her state capitol with some other moms of transgender kids to find out if they can stop a troubling bill from being passed in Washington state. This ridiculous law, a bathroom bill, that would require people in my state to use the bathroom that matches their anatomical sex and DNA, which... And how are you going to test for that? I don't know. And then there's another episode where she tries to figure out her own dating life. Marlo's a single mom. I need some love advice. Come on. You know a lot about love. Bloody blah love. Love is bloody blah, bloody blah about love. Blah was the name of the person that made the word love. This is The Longest Shortest Time. I'm Hilary Frank. One of the biggest delights of listening to How to Be a Girl is the tape that Marlo uses of her daughter, just being a kid. This is my radio show about the toilet flushing. Which makes you feel like this kid, this kid could be any kid. You know, she could be your kid. Okay. Is this called The Potty Show? Yes. Okay. Today, Marlo Mack joins us to talk about the gut-wrenching decisions that go into raising a transgender child, and how, in a lot of ways, those choices are not all that different from being the parent of any child. It makes me have to go potty. All right, you better go. Now, Marlo and I, we we both make shows about parenthood, and I've sometimes told deeply personal stories here on this podcast, but I have made a conscious decision to not use very much tape of my daughter. So when I listen to How to Be a Girl, I'm always wondering, how does Marlo decide when to pull out her recorder? Like, you know, this, this is really personal stuff, and her daughter is eight years old. She doesn't listen to the podcast now because... The themes that I talk about are are too mature, but um, I I think about well, what would when she does listen to this, how is she going to feel about that in five years or ten years or twenty years? And so there are things that I that I don't record or that I record and don't use. We actually had her first uh, doctor's appointment last week with the transgender specialist. So it's this doctor who specializes in transgender care and treats a lot of children. And uh, I wanted to record the, the appointment and I asked the doctor in advance, you know, contacted the office and they said, well, maybe, but come in with your daughter and the doctor wants to talk to your daughter about whether it's okay with her. And I felt really sheepish because I hadn't asked my daughter. <laughs> I thought of, oh, I have to ask the doctor, you know, she gets to make the call. So I, the morning of the appointment, I sat down with my daughter and said, is this you know, this is your first appointment. It's a kind of an important one. And um, may I record it? And she said, no. So I said, fine, I won't. Huh. <laughs> um, so we didn't, we don't have that tape. 
This appointment with the doctor who specializes in trans patients was kind of a fact-finding mission for Marlo and her daughter. They learned that when puberty strikes, Marlo's daughter will have the option of going on drugs called blockers. These blockers basically halt puberty. And if you go off those drugs, your natural puberty starts back up again, and there's no lasting effects. Marlo says her daughter is especially terrified of growing a beard like her dad. So Marlo's going to do whatever she can to help her daughter grow up to not look like a man. But getting to a place where she was comfortable with the concept that her child was a girl did not come easy. At first, Marlo tried really hard to get her kid to agree to be a boy. One Christmas, she got her kid a bunch of toys from the boy aisle, and her kid just looked at her and said, didn't Santa get my letter? So Marlo was like, all right, no no problem. You're just a different kind of boy, a boy who wears tutus and plays with dolls. But Marlo's kid was insisting on being called she instead of he. So Marlo just stopped using pronouns entirely. She'd just say, my kiddo or my sweetheart. But that didn't seem to satisfy her kid either. Marlo scoured the internet. She called psychologists, just thinking, hoping that this was a phase and it would pass. Eventually, Marlo gave in, though. It was clear. Girly stuff wasn't enough. Her kiddo needed to be seen as a girl. Here's Marlo on her show talking about that transition. But sometimes, I look at photos of my baby boy, and I miss him so much. This probably sounds crazy, but sometimes I wonder where he is. It's like he was a dream I had one night, and then morning came, and I woke up, and he was gone. And now there's this little girl in his place, telling me that the boy was just a dream, just someone I imagined. As far as she is concerned, there never was a boy. Can you explain that to me one more time? What's the difference between you and Holly? She has a vagina and I have a penis. She I'm a girl with a penis and she is a girl with a vagina. You're a girl with a penis and she's a girl with a vagina? Yes. So some people um, would say that, that stories like this about transgender kids coming out um, are not about the parent. You know, that they would say that um, the story is about what the transgender person is going through and that it's selfish as a parent to make it about you. Why was it important to you to mourn as a parent and what did that look like for you? Hmm. Well, I think, you know, as parents, we, we adore our children. We, we put them, we try to put them first and acknowledge their experience as real and valid and separate from ours. But, you know, as you know, you're a mother. We have our own experiences. Um, and um, so I think it's, it's of course, equally important to acknowledge, I think, my own, my own process of coming to terms with this huge and difficult thing. Um, and I still grapple with it. I still don't understand why I would still miss my baby boy who never was and um i know that there are are transgender children and whether they're you know 
grown children or young children feel like this is something maybe of a kind of a betrayal um, that somehow their parents aren't acknowledging who they who they are and who they know themselves to be but you know it's a subjective experience as a parent you we we gender our babies from the moment you know even in the womb and I don't know why love should sort of have a gender marker on it (laughs) um but there's a loss of something and it's very hard for me to explain exactly what that is because I'm thrilled to have my daughter I'm I think she is just wonderful as she is and I wouldn't change her but the the grief for something that is lost something that maybe never was um but maybe some kind of a it's almost like it was a phantom child and they you kind of wake up and they actually weren't really there. Was there any kind of like ritual you went through to like pack up old clothes or anything like once you had fully accepted that this was this was the new way? Well, in terms of clothes, um my kiddo as soon as she could you know even when she was still being treated as a boy and living as a boy insisted on girl clothes from age two. So we didn't mm-hmm. have any, any boyish clothes around anymore. I I did pack away, you know, her, the, my favorite little baby outfits of hers. And those are in a box somewhere. And it, it looks like, you know, it's the, the wardrobe of a, of a baby boy. Hmm. Um, and, and once you embraced your daughter as a girl. Um, at first, um, the way you tell it, she's kind of a an, like an ultra girl. Like she's really into frilly dresses and long hair and princesses. Um, and then after a while, um, there was this switch. Um, so let's hear this clip. She started getting really interested in Pokemon and ninjas. She told me that she didn't like princesses anymore and that her favorite color was now blue, not pink. In the heat of battle. I showed her a few episodes of Xena, Warrior Princess. I forged in the heat of battle. And she started begging me to get her a chakram, the frisbee-shaped weapon that Xena uses to defeat her enemies. In the movie, I saw, like, a girl throw a, like, a really sharp disc. It was, like, shiny mm-hmm. across the room. And then, one day, really? she started wearing pants. Yeah. After she two full pants. years of refusing to wear them, pants were suddenly back on the menu. Ha <laughs> ha! I'll fight you and then smack ow and then some so she is just hurting them. I started thinking, had the girl thing itself been a phase? Was my child actually a boy after all? So it turns out that no, in fact you you still have a little girl. Um yeah. just one who is into ninjas. Um and and mm-hmm. in the show, um in your show you are just constantly questioning like what makes a girl a girl and what makes a boy a boy. And I wonder, um, have you been able to answer that question for yourself? No, and I'd really be interested in, in anyone who, who could come up with a plausible answer to that question. Um, because the, the closer you, you look at gender, the less it makes sense, I think. The, the, the binary kind of just breaks down. Um, you know, is it a color? Is it, a, is it an interest? Is it, um, you know, if... If it's not your anatomy, um, then what what is it? And I don't 
you know, perhaps it's just an, it's, maybe there's just a, a part of the brain that's hardwired for identity, that this is who I am. Um, because that does seem to be the, an unshakable kernel of, uh, of this whole thing for my, for my daughter. She can change her interests just like any other girl. It doesn't make her less of a girl. What kind of a girl were you? I really liked sword fighting and climbing trees, too. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up, Marlo talks about that fine line we all walk in parenting. How much to step in for your kid and how much to let them figure things out for themselves. Stay with us. (laughs) We're back with Marlo Mack, who makes the podcast How to Be a Girl, about life with her transgender daughter. Here's another clip from the show. 41%. Nearly nine times the national average. Those are the chances that my child, as a transgender person, will attempt suicide at some point in her life. We don't know yet if the numbers will be lower for kids like mine the first generation to be allowed to switch genders at a very young age. But I have to believe that your chances are a lot better if you know your mom has your back. I think that's enough nature for today. Do you think so? So you talk about um, her chances being better um, if her mom has her back. And I wonder what it looks like for for you to have her back. Hmm. Just thinking thinking about that. Well, I suppose, you know, the basic form of having her back is just acknowledging that I hear her when she tells me who she is. And the other thing I do, which I think is maybe just a sort of souped up version of what every parent tries to do, which is to create a safe environment and anticipate things that may not go well and sort of do some advanced recon and planning. Um, anytime we're going to go into a new situation with a new community, when we've just started a new school last year. So I, I a year before we started there, I contacted the school and you know, talk to the counselor and made sure we were, we were, we were going to get supported. Um, yeah, I think it, having her back, it, it's a lot of sort of trying to get 10 steps ahead of, of where she is so that, so that some awful things that might happen can be prevented. Uh, a big one is playdates. Mm-hmm. Um, playdates are such a minefield for me. Um, and I'm always, you know, you know how it is, right? You've got there are minefields, um, like, like just to begin with, and then you throw throw yeah. another thing on top of it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And then yeah, there's this thing like you may not, you know, they make a friend at school or at the park, and you have no idea what the parents' outlook may be. Uh-huh. You know, I have no idea if they are, you know, big big right wing supporters of bathroom bills. You know, if they mm-hmm. if they will completely reject us um so i it's this dance of how much how deep do i let her get into the friendship before i you know check in with the parents to make sure they're cool um and how do you do that how do you how do you make sure they're cool 
Well, my uh, my policy was that there would be no play date without disclosing that she was transgender. This was when she was a little bit younger because, you know, little kids are just kind of clueless and they may want to play dress up and all of a sudden someone has their pants off, you know, and it's all innocent. They're just putting on a different princess dress. Sure. So it, when she was, you know, four and five and six, I would not allow a play date to happen, um, especially if I wasn't going to be right there um, without telling the parents. Now she's eight, so she's got a lot of ability, and you know, she's she's very conscious about her own privacy and about closing the bathroom door and um, dressing very discreetly. So it's a tricky place. We recently had a play date with um, someone I know to be fairly religious in the neighborhood, and I didn't tell the parents, and I'm. I'm really on I'm I'm really actually this is a big thing for me right now. Do I you know, is it do they have a right to know? My daughter doesn't no, I, I she doesn't want me to tell people without her permission and I've committed to that as much as I can, but I need to keep her safe. And the last thing I want is for her to become good friends with someone. And frankly, this is what I'm waiting I'm waiting for this to happen. I mean, someone's going to say no, you 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 can't be here. You can't be with you can't be around my children. Someone's going to say that, and as a you know, as a mother, just it just breaks your heart. So I don't want her to go fall fall in love too much with the friendship, and then you know I, I want to protect her from that as long as I can. She's she's going to have some reject some tough rejections, I'm sure, in her life. But you know, I don't I I want to push them back as far as I can. <laughs> yeah, you're like doing these preemptive strikes and then the older <laughs> the older she gets, like the less appropriate that's going to be. Exactly. I'm going to have to let her live in in the world that that she's in and that's the reality. Is not everyone is ready for her. So you and your daughter's father are separated. Um and you've said on your show that the split happened around the time that your child was coming out as a girl, but that the split had nothing to do with with that particular situation. Um, so how have you and your daughter's father co-parented her? Do you, do you have similar approaches? Essentially, yes. Her dad is totally on board with her identity and totally supportive of her being a transgender girl. You know, you're kind of you're you're kind of in or you're out on this one. Um, if you if you accept that that your that transgender is a real thing and that your kid is that thing, um, then then this things kind of go from there. Then it's okay. This is this is my girl. She's transgender, and these are the realities that that we're faced with. You talk on your show about dating um, and how that's a whole other minefield that you have to think about um, who you might be bringing not only into your world, um, but into your daughter's world. And that's, I mean, that's a thing that any single parent needs to think about. Um, but you're also, you also have like the added layer of, will this be a safe person for my daughter? Um, and, and so I just wonder, like, how are you, how are you navigating that? Well, what I have, what I've tended to do is just sort of blurt it out on the first date, <laughs> um, because why go any further than that if they're 
you know, if they have a problem, a real problem with it, or if they're clearly uncomfortable with it, I really would want to know right away. I've only had one person who had a, uh, a negative response or mm, not so much negative, but clearly was, was not comfortable with it. And so there was not a second date. And one of the issues that I struggle with or I think about is, you know, no people are not really particularly threatened by a little transgender girl and my daughter being transgender. Whether or not they would be feel the same if I were the one who, who was transgender is a different question. And you know, I'll I'll think I'll think about that. You know, could I? Is it is it a betrayal to date someone who wouldn't date someone like my daughter? Um, you know, I I don't know what you know what the what are the limits of of loyalty? You know, do I do I have to only date people who would be comfortable dating someone like my daughter? Or, um, you know, how can I? I also think about how can I support her. Um, in the future around this issue when I can't relate. You know, I've never had that experience of being rejected for that reason. And it's it's something that she's probably going to encounter at some point. You know, there's also, um, like, sometimes our kids ask us really hard questions and, and we have to decide if we're going to be honest, you know, or or if we're going to, try and preserve their innocence. And um, yeah. it seems like you must have those moments a lot. Um, there's there's like on the on the show, you, you have a moment where um, your daughter is sort of uh, imagining giving birth like to, to her baby doll. She asked me if the baby could wait any longer. And I said, no, I don't think so. And I sat there watching. I put it inside my shirt. With my heart kind of and cracking. And I jump and and push it out. And you have to bite your tongue and and not tell her that if she decides she really does want to be a woman and go through hormone therapy and stuff, she, like she'll never be able to have a biological baby of her own. Um, so you, you have these moments where you have to decide whether you're going to be like a truth teller or hold on to the truth for later. And I just wonder, like, ha- have you ever felt like you've gotten it wrong? All the time. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's a big truth. I don't, I think she still doesn't have a real sense of how all that works out um, in terms of the birds and the bees. So I don't lie to her, but I wait, I sort of wait for her to ask questions. Um, but then the the risk is she hears it from someone else and, and in a way that is much more upsetting you know, kids on the playground or something, you know, from some, someone else telling her instead of me telling her. Um, the other, the other thing is, is violence. The fact that transgender women in particular are, you know, very vulnerable and are very often victims of violence. That is, that's not something she, she knows about, but she's going to need to know about that in order to, to, to stay safe. And that, well, that one, I'm, that one, I'm certainly not going to tell her when she's eight years old, but there is this part of how much do you, how much do you disclose to a child 
that they're part of a a repressed minority. You know, how much do you? I suppose it's similar if you have if you're a an African American mother or an African American child. How much do you tell them about how the world sees them and about how the world is probably going to treat them? And yeah. What do you, what's your a, what's your plan? <laughs> well. So far, I've tried to talk with her a lot about discrimination in general and that, you know, look, honey, the world's not, it's not fair. It's not equal. And I talk about racism. I talk about sexism and homophobia. And then I say, and, and then I also talk about transphobia. And I say that these things are all getting better, but none of them are fixed. And it's our job to, to help fix them. So I, I try to make it, put her in a context of, you know, there's all sorts of inequities, and her, her form of it is just one, one version of that. In a minute, Marlo tells me the advantage to having a transgender child. And her daughter comes up with one of the best superpowers I have ever heard. Don't go away. <laughs> We're back with Marlo Mack, who hosts the podcast, How to Be a Girl. What are, what are you getting to do, do you think, now that you have a daughter as opposed to what you thought you were going to be doing with your child when you thought you had a son? Oh, I like this question. Um, pretty much nothing. And I think, I think the, the, the really, one of the big, you know, there's a lot of hard things about, about our situation, but I have to say one of the one of the wins, one of the gifts that I think I got that parents of, of cisgender kids, not tra- non-transgender kids, don't get is that my kid. I had this this experience of of the same person in both genders, and and seeing you know really living with them in that gender for a significant period of time for a few years, and then now this other gender. And so I feel like the gift that I get is I don't really see her as much as I acknowledge that she's she is a girl, this is who she is, and absolutely I'm 100% in. In some ways I don't feel, I feel like my parenting is is less gendered than almost anyone I know. Because how so? I, well, I see how arbitrary it is. You know, I was raising the same person as a boy, and now I'm raising her as a girl, and it's the same kid. And so I'll hear I'll hear things. You know, even my most progressive feminist, you know, really thoughtful um, mother friends will say things about girls and boys that I think you're crazy. You know that that's that's completely arbitrary. Like what? Like what? Um, oh, you know, well, girls aren't as, aren't as active. I hear that all the time. Oh, or, you know, well, boys wouldn't, don't communicate as well or, you know, or, or you've got a daughter, right? I do have a daughter. <laughs> I have, and I, and when you talk about that active thing, people always say to me, like, boys are more active. My daughter is crazy active, like in a way that is totally not like me or her dad. She's just, she's the kind of kid who like 
at three years old, like just made a jump for the monkey bars. <laughs> like, we, right. like we, who knew? Like, she could have totally just landed on her head. But like, people would say that is a boy thing to do. Yeah, you know, right? So I totally, I totally hear you. And if she were transgender, they'd say, "Well, she's not really a girl, is she?" Right. So that's what I'm up against. Whereas with your daughter, they say, "Well, she's, she's feisty. What a tough girl!" Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> You talk on your podcast um, about simultaneously feeling like you're nailing it and getting it right, and then also, like, at the same time, feeling like you're just fucking it all up. Um, that's just can you talk about that? that? Just motherhood? <laughs> right. That's what that, that feels just so, like, yep, you just, you just defined, you just defined parenthood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, <laughs> can you talk about that that tension mm. between between the two things? Yeah, I mean, I guess a good example is this: you know, to be private or not private. The word is a lot of people use is stealth. If you're if you're not out as trans, you're stealth. And my daughter's very stealth. And you know, I'll, I, on the one hand, I think this is so great. I've given her this opportunity. You know, we've created this situation where. Almost nobody knows at school. She gets to just be one of the girls, be one of the kids. And, you know, it's just not an issue day to day. On the other hand, you know, I watch her get dressed in the morning and she's putting on layers of clothing and checking herself in the mirror and, you know, putting on three, you know, leggings and a skirt and another skirt sometimes on top of it and I'm saying honey it's 80 degrees outside you know um oh to hide to hide. yeah 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 layering that's what little that's what a lot of trans girls do and you know I just had a we recently just made a new friend who another little transgender girl who's the same age and she her, her family has opted to be completely out hmm. and part of it's because she transitioned in the middle of a school year and there was just no way of hiding it whereas my daughter had changed schools. But, you know, the mother and I were talking about it, and I said, you know, it seems like there's some real advantages and on, on to being, like, your daughter really out and other advantages to, to my daughter being uh, stealth. And she looked at me like I was crazy. She said, well, what, what possible advantage could there be for your daughter being so stealth? You know, <laughs> just bam, <laughs> questioning, you know, everything that I've spent years building. And then she kind of backed off and said, I didn't, you know, I didn't mean to criticize you. I just, you know, she just, we'd gone in such different directions. And um, I have no idea if I, if I've nailed this and she's just like going to thank me later and go, thank you for just letting me, you know, just be under the radar and just be a kid. And, or if she's going to say, Mom, how could you do that to me that I had to live in, you know, secrecy and fear for every day of my childhood, you know? I I don't know. Um, can you tell me something awesome that your daughter has done recently? Oh, she does so many awesome things. Well, I could tell you one of my favorite things that she's done for a while now is every morning when she wakes up I can't wait to hear what she's going to say because it's always a, a fabulous question or or comment about the world 
Um, lately, it's been a lot of what, Mama, what, if you could have any superpower, what would it, what would it be? And we just sit there and talk about what powers we would have. And she comes up with some really wild stuff. It's, she doesn't just want to fly and be invisible. There's some really, really amazing um, powers she comes up with. Like what? Um, well, the, the the strangest and most wonderful one from last week was um, I want to have a power where I can throw up all my bones and I can be a uh, like a gooey blob that can shape shift into anything I would like. And then when I want my bones back, I'll just eat them up and then go back into place. <laughs> that's <laughs> Maybe that's a little too weird. <laughs> she has a really interesting mind. <laughs> Man, but the shape shifting thing, do you read into that? Oh, um, I certainly, well, that's a really good question. I hadn't thought about that. I think if she could shape shift her body, she probably would. She'd probably do it tomorrow if she could. Um, but for now, you know, this is our reality. Marlo Mack lives in Seattle with her daughter, who, like most kids, has a healthy obsession with poop. Poop de poop, poop de poop, and pee. Pee 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 toilet. Do yourself a favor, go listen to the entire catalog of How to Be a Girl. Most of the episodes are under 20 minutes. You'll blow right through them and you'll be a better person. And we want to keep this conversation about gender going. Transgender issues and gender fluidity are hot topics in the media right now. And kids' toys and clothing these days are highly gendered. So we want to know, how do you talk to your kids about gender? How did your parents talk to you? Go to LongestShortestTime.com and tell us in the comments for this episode. That's episode 94. This podcast is produced by me, Hilary Frank, and Abigail Keel. We are edited by Peter Clowney. Our engineers are Pete Karam and the Reverend John Delore. Our theme music is by the Batteries Duo. We get editorial support from Anne-Marie Baldonado and Antonia Acatunde. Special thanks this week to Timothy Meinig at KUOW and Luz Fleming. I will be back in two weeks with a child chef who enjoys cooking for a very specific reason. Because usually you're not allowed to get so close to fire, especially at my age. Or you could just amaze your friends with like really cool magic tricks with it, like putting the match out in your mouth or something. His mom swears she does not let him put out matches in his mouth. We're going to hear from her, too. These two are just the best. You don't want to miss this episode. So make sure you're subscribed to The Longest Shortest Time in iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And be a nice person and rate us and write us a review. And as always, here at The Longest Shortest Time, we are looking for your stories. Right now, we're looking for your thoughts on birth control. We want to know what method you use, what method you hate. Has that changed over time? But... Of course, we're always looking for any surprising story about your kids or your parents. Go to longestshortesttime.com and submit your story.
I'm Trayvon Free. I'm Mike Drucker. You are now in the room where it's happening. Where we geek out about the best musical of all time. Hamilton. Hamilton. We'll be talking about the lyrics, the history, the production, and we've got some amazing guests. We have actress Kristen Chenoweth. I'm rooting for you, and I'm sorry you shot him. Comedian John Hodgman. I ran home, and I said to my wife and two children, you have to listen to this. Hamilton cast member Jasmine Cephas-Jones. Yo, this is amazing. (laughs) Subscribe right now, and you'll never miss an episode. Join us in the room where it's happening. Everybody! amazing. Stand up. You sing Earwolf? Yeah. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.